0: Your team may be trending toward out of contention, but get Prediction Strike, where players become stocks, where you can buy low and sell high, with promo code UNDERWORLD, where you get a free player share with any $20 deposit. Get Prediction Strike in the App Store, promo code UNDERWORLD. Top 10 Takeaways! I got some takeaways today. Oh, oh, I didn't I wasn't sure what kind of takeaways would be available. And then I looked up and I was like, whoa, takeaways. Takeaways. Cause I was thinking, well, geez. No Vikings, no Bills, a lot of great teams on by, a lot of injuries, right? But I don't want to dig into injury. So many content creators, so many fantasy analysts. Are trying to break down all the injuries and all the injury impact and yada, yada. Okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. A lot of guys got hurt. Okay, everybody's hurt. All right, cool. Everybody's questionable or out for the season. Everyone's on the injured reserve. Fine, right? There are a couple injuries we're going to talk about more like on the optimistic side. Like opportunities have opened up because, you know, a player could have gone nuclear and didn't. So we'll talk about that today. But we're not gonna we're not gonna you know uh, uh, lament the injuries too much with one great exception because there was one injury that trumped all injuries. There was there was the the, the godfather of all injuries happened, especially for dynasty. It really was uh it, it, it was it was too bad because we had exactly what we wanted. We had Travis Etienne hogging all the running back touches, like the, the carry distribution every week. He's been eroding, 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 eroding away James Robinson's touches. And it, the interesting thing was you would think that James Robinson would get ramped up slowly. He's coming back from a torn Achilles, this ruptured Achilles. Usually you, you can't just come right back instantly. But Cam Akers did last year. He's instant, instantly inserted back into the starting lineup and was getting you know 20-plus touches in the playoffs soon after coming back. From a ruptured Achilles, which he rehabbed for six months, and then he was back in the starting lineup and it was as if Darrell Henderson was never there. Sonny Michelle, get out of here, right? It's all about Cam Akers getting all the touches. So they did the same thing with James Robinson, but they had Travis Etienne. So you, you just if they were gonna give James Robinson all these touches at the beginning of the season with a healthy Travis Etienne. ETN also coming off his own season-ending injury. That was the dilemma. Are they slow-playing ETN because they want to ramp him up slowly because he's, he's a cornerstone asset to the team and James Robinson is just a cog in the machine? Or is James Robinson that good that he is commanding these touches? And no matter how healthy and explosive Travis Etienne is, they're going to give James Robinson a ton of touches. And as it turns out, no they wanted to treat travis etn as precious he's the sports car that you keep in the garage most weekends and then you start to drive it a little bit more drive it a little bit more and then this was the week where they just uh took it off the blocks right So this was great. He finally got the touchdown. We been waiting for this touchdown every week. Like, just don't worry about Travis Etienne. It was a great process. Touchdowns will come. I didn't know they were going to completely relegate James Robinson. I mean, that was a pleasant surprise to say, hey, no, no. Travis Etienne is the bell cow. Now, unfortunately, Etienne not getting bell cow level action opportunities in the passing game. So that was a red flag. But we've talked about this on previous Top 10 Takeaway shows that, Unfortunately, unfortunately, the way the NFL is distributing the targets, it's the running backs that are suffering because there's just more pass catchers on the field at any given time. The, the running back is further down on the progression list, right? So if the running back was the third option, now they're the fourth option. If they were the fourth option, now they're the fifth option. So running back receptions are down dramatically across the league and this also is becoming a problem for Travis Etienne but as long as he's getting the big runs the long runs and then the touchdown so he was getting the long runs previously without the touchdown like a long run down to the two-yard line someone else gets the touchdown oh, you know, Trevor Lawrence would run it in now he gets the touchdown so this is what I, th- I thought right I thought it was going to be dance party time right I was getting ready for the dance party like let's do this Like, I had the dance party. Ready to go, right? Let's go. Yeah, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, right? Not so fast. You can't have a dance party when Brees Hall is lost for the season. That's just insulting, right? Because if if you're going to talk about Brees Hall and Travis Etienne as essentially being these interchangeable talents all off season. And then one guy finally has his breakout week and the other guy is lost for the season. You can't just say, "Oh yeah, forget about you. We 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 were we weren't we didn't like you. We didn't care as much about you. We're not mourning you today. We're not in more. We're not dressed in all black. You know, we're mourning, right? This is we're we're, we're in we're in mourning, right? Where this is, you know, I I <laughs> where's my sunglasses? I need them on my house. <laughs> this is terrible, right? <laughs> Can I get these sunglasses? Like I just this is not I can't believe it ah, why right you can't have a dance party when you also are feeling that it's it's a very conflicted day very conflicted day you wake up you're like oh give all these Brees Hall hero RB teams lost all these Travis CTN hero RB teams surging it's conflicting it's conflicting it's conflicting Brees Hall dynasty stock is What people really care about now, because we know he's lost for the season. That's that's a given. Where would you have him in Dynasty? And so we are rolling out our win now versus uh, productive struggle modes for the Dynasty rankings. That's coming soon. So... Within a month or two, you'll have that because people will be in win now mode versus productive struggle mode. Some have already been in productive struggle mode. And if for those people, it's like, hey, you know what? You can do the math yourself. If, if you if you've been tanking this early, like you don't deserve rankings that help you tank. Right. But now at this point, if you have key injuries, if you've lost Brees Hall, if you've been dealing with you know, DeAndre Swift, then OK. Right. Like it's, it's probably not going to happen this year. Right. If, if you if you have a handful of these uh, super devastating injuries, I have a uh, JK Dobbins in a bunch of leagues. so there's a Dobbins Hall teams, there's Dobbins Swift teams and, and if you're looking up and you're one in five, but you love your chances next year, you're going to want to flip those dynasty rankings into productive struggle mode and we're going to have that. But for now, the median ranking for Brees Hall, is now outside the top 15 dynasty assets. I mean, it's close, right? It's close. It's very close. As the weeks go on, he's going to climb back up, right? As the weeks go on, he's going to get closer and closer to his return date. But because he he tore this ACL midseason, and we've seen what happened with the J.K. Dobbins. We saw what happened last year with Saquon Barkley. You have lost season after lost season. So these injuries can compound. So you can't just say, okay, well, Brees Hall's gone for the next 10 weeks, we should just pencil him in for next year, being Brees Hall as he was this year, right? 100% Brees Hall is what we're getting next year, week one. That's not the case, right? He's probably not going to be what we saw this year until at least October or November of next year, and then there's this huge risk of re-injury like we had with J.K. Dobbins. So that's why he goes from you know top three dynasty assets to now outside uh, the top 15 but that's also because you know Josh Allen's now a top 15 dynasty, even in single quarterback leagues you got to get Josh Allen in there Uh, Michael Pittman may come down later in the week we'll see how the numbers how the numbers look so initially I think that Brees Hall outside the top 15 very quickly he'll be back into the top 12 and then back into the top 10 as we Lose weeks in this season. This season starts to lose relevance every week. This season loses relevance, and the next season becomes more relevant. So he's going to climb back up, climb back up, climb back up. But now Kenneth Walker has surpassed him. So that's that's another takeaway that Kenneth Walker has completely surpassed uh, Brees Hall. I could tell you the exact lifetime value differential now. The lifetime value differential between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker is. 45 lifetime value rating points right it's, it's now the kenneth walker show they're a similar age they're both explosive yes when healthy and operating at 100 percent capacity Brees hall is this electric magnetic pass catcher so he's certainly going to have more value than kenneth walker all else equal but all else isn't equal now this dude can't play For the next nine months at the very least, and he's a huge re injury risk. And it's not just worst case scenario J.K. Dobbins, because, you know, Jeff Mueller, who uh, contributed injury breakdowns for our Injury Finder app in the App Store. So if you go to the Injury Finder in the App Store and you click on any given player, you can scroll down and you can see his sort of uh, injury history and recovery analysis, as well as his forecasting of how any past injuries may affect this player's performance into the future. And now going back in for a revision on top of an injury that already had ancillary damage to other ligaments. I believe there was LCL damage to that ligament as well. So it was a a rather severe knee injury that JK Dobbins suffered because remember he suffered it before last season. And then there were weeks before he was able to return so he was out for more than 12 months. That is a significant knee injury. Then you compound that with a revision surgery. J.K. Dobbins now has a Todd Gurley knee. That is, that is the analysis from uh, you know, the physio community. It's unfortunate. It really, I mean, J.K. Dobbins, I don't even want to tell you where he's at in the dynasty rankings because the risk quotient on J.K. Dobbins is now so high I have to keep scrolling and scrolling. He's now player number 80. He's now number 80 in the Dynasty rankings. I mean, what a crash, and it's all due to these injuries. Now, I promised I wasn't going to fixate on injuries to start this show, and so, of course, what I've done is fixate on injuries. And a player that's come back successfully from a number of injuries You know, torn ACL, broken leg, broken foot, broken hand. Remember all these injuries? Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, baby. (laughs) Paris Campbell breakout. Let's go, man. Let's go, Paris Campbell. And it just, I love the Paris Campbell 10 catches for 70 yards and a touchdown in the face of Alec Pierce giving you nothing. And I loved how so many analysts were out here telling, oh, Alec Pierce. Right, you got to get Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce was like leading the way in, in a number of waiver wire pieces that I read by respected analysts, Oh, got to get Alec Pierce. And I was like, no, you don't. Why? Right? It was just like this argument for, for Romeo Dobbs. Like every time I look at Alec Pierce putting up nothing, I, I want I, it reminds me of Romeo Dobbs and I, and I go to Romeo Dobbs, oh, there's Ro-, nothing, right? And Cody told you, Cody told you, these guys are not electric talents he saw these guys on the field of the senior Bowl disappearing or leaving early this no, right no uh, Alec Pierce was not dominant at the college level okay Romeo Dobbs not a, a uh, upper level athlete, which is what you really need to succeed at a high level on the outside right you want to move Romeo Dobbs to the to the slot make him a slot receiver and you set those expectations much lower. Slot receiver expectations, cool, right? Cool. Like you could talk me into Romeo Dobbs in you know a, a prolific offense. I could see Romeo Dobbs being uh, having a Tyler Boyd season or Tyler Boyd ceiling, right? I could see that Tyler Boyd ceiling season. Absolutely, I could see that Tyler Boyd's good at football. I think we saw that. See, that's the cool thing. You put a player who's good at football with Joe Burrow. And it's funny. You just got to keep playing him. I remember Sunday morning, I had a bunch of lineup decisions, and Tyler Boyd and a lot of my, my deeper teams has just been a flex play, and I never move him out of there. I just know he's going to have weeks, and you just don't worry about it. He's like He's the most consistent performer in the NFL. Week in, week out, year in, year out, when you look at our dynasty rankings and the player movement in the last four years, no player has moved less than Tyler Boyd. Like, there are players that are moving up and down all around him, right? Kadarius Tony, right, down. And you see players moving up, right? Christian Kirk, whoosh, right? Christian Kirk and Tyler Boyd were, were equivalent. And then Christian Kirk breaking out consistently at the beginning of the season. Rockets past him, similar age, right? Tyler Boyd just consistently right there. We're not going to get too far out over our skis thinking, oh, well, Tyler Boyd, now he's He's not the number three anymore. He's 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 the one B, right? He's the one B. No, no, he's not the one B. He's not even the two B. He's just a great number three option who's really good at football, excelled as a special teamer, was taking carries out of the backfield in college. That told us he was good at football and he had a high floor in the NFL. And if he's on the right offense, he can have these boom weeks. And that sure enough, tethered to Joe Burrow. A player like Tyler Boyd is actually a player you can play in guaranteed prize pool tournaments in DFS. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And we talked about this on the Roto Grinder show. If you're not going to play Joe Burrow this week, you can't play him. You can't play him. Why would you play him? This was a week where you could play Bengals with no runbacks because their play calling in Atlanta is so backward you could consider just not playing a runback at all. Maybe a little dabble. We talked about dabbling a little bit with uh, Drake London, but they just don't throw the ball enough. They don't throw the ball enough, and their running game isn't efficient enough to play anybody on the runback. So it was, a, it was just a, a great conversation to go back to the StackFest show on Roto-Grinders that we recorded on Friday, talking about if you're not going to play Burrow this week, never play him in DFS. You're not allowed to, If you're not going to play him against Atlanta... Without Casey Hayward. So they're down one cornerback on injured reserve. Another cornerback is questionable. This is the week to play Joe Burrow. If not this week, never play him. You can't, don't play him. And you could stack him with Chase. You could double stack him. Chase Higgins, Chase Boyd, Higgins Boyd. All these different combinations. And then boom, the guy goes off for over 400 yards. Because of course he did. And it was just, it was hilarious. Hilarious to see what Atlanta did in response. I mean, Atlanta is uh, is 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 one of the more embarrassing teams. Just look, look at this. I'm going to put this on the screen here. Look at the plays Atlanta ran. Look at this. Look at the plays they ran in the fourth quarter. They're down double digits in the fourth quarter. Look at the plays they were running. Run, run, pass run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. What? What? You're you're not even trying? They're not even trying. I mean, you could say, well, the game was out of hand, it was out of reach. Well, okay. Their expected pass rate, given the score, in the second quarter was 64%. Their actual pass rate in the second quarter was 24%. So you want to throw out the fourth quarter where... Their pass rate should have been 85%, and they were throwing it less than 50% of the time. When it's run, run, pass, by definition, that's less than 50%. I don't know what's happening there. I don't know who is informing the play caller, Arthur Smith or whoever it is who's calling the plays. Someone in the analytics department has to be involved and assimilated into the play-calling system. The best teams in the NFL are doing this. The Bills are doing this. We know that. Talked about that. They're incorporating analytics into their play-calling, and that's when you see the teams naturally throwing it more. And this is just embarrassing. It's just so embarrassing, not just the fourth quarter, where they literally cut their pass rate that they should have called in half and lost to the – I mean, this is – a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. You think you're going to run Alshon off tackle? You think that's the answer? You Think that that's going to be the w- the winning formula? Like what? I mean, it's just it's just it's embarrassing. It's and if you are a Falcons fan, you know I feel bad because it's like at least if you have a team like Detroit, if you're a fan, you know they're moving in the right direction. They're doing the right things. They are implementing a culture that will serve them well into the future. This isn't serving anybody. Creating this run-first culture serves nobody. It just helps you lose games faster. That's all it does. That's all it does. So knowing that, knowing that, Burrow without a runback, right, Bengal stacks, no runback, was the play in DFS. I mean, just couldn't have been more right. Couldn't have been more right. So Christian McCaffrey is now a 49er. That's a takeaway. And... You might be wondering, well, you know, uh, they decided to trade multiple day two picks and uh, take on a huge salary, you know, twelve million dollars plus per year, which is you know one of, if not the most highest paid running backs in the league. Just depends on you know when you look at Ezekiel Elliott versus Christian McCaffrey. There's just a handful of, of high paid running backs, and 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 how you actually do the math on who's getting paid the most is is up for debate. He's one of the highest-paid running backs in the league. That's typically not a book move. Talking about what, what is a book move for a general manager. Yeah, acquiring one of the highest-paid uh, running backs in the NFL who happens to also have one of the highest injury risks, uh, not, not wise typically. But if you view the McCaffrey salary and skill set as you would a wide receiver, Bill Barnwell's talked about this. He wrote an article about this then it's much more justified because if you actually break down what McCaffrey does in the passing game, forget the running game, right? For, the running game is is useless, right? There's no value there. Look at what he does in the passing game. 29% target rate, targets per route run, and 2.1 yards per route run. That's similar to what Keenan Allen is delivering. So if, as a general manager, the nice thing is you can get production from a running back that is equivalent to a wide receiver. And if you needed to franchise tag that player, the franchise tag would be much lower. right? You wouldn't want to franchise tag a possession receiver anyway. But when you can franchise tag a player that's giving you Keenan Allen level production and you can pay him like Washington's paying Curtis Samuel, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. That's the justification for going out and acquiring Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if I would have paid that number of valuable draft picks i don't think that would have happened if i were a general manager i would have i would have laughed at the picks but if you want to offload the salary onto me i'll pay that salary i'll pay that salary because what we'll do on the books is we'll just classify him as a wide receiver that's it it's cool it's done. done cool and tom brady's making a lot of money but he he plays quarterback and he's not uh, delivering on that salary. So I think that Tom Brady is one of the more overpaid quarterbacks in the league, not as overpaid as Aaron Rodgers, but it's official that Tom Brady's now overpaid. Has he ever been over? He's never been. He's always been underpaid, right? His whole career, 20 plus years, Tom Brady underpaid, famously underpaid in new England, right? For the first time in his career overpaid. I think this is the first day where we could take a step back and say officially, well, Tom Brady's under, you know, he's, he's underperforming. And by extension, that means he's overpaid. Holy shit. That's just a crazy moment. But why is he struggling? Why is he struggling? Because the team does not trust the offensive line. Something has happened in the film room and in the games and in practice where the offensive coordinators, Byron Leftwich, Tom Brady, getting together and devising a plan to try to minimize the damage this offensive line could do to the offense and to Tom Brady's health. So what's happening is Tom Brady is releasing the ball quicker. He's top five in time to throw. Now that metric will be added to player profiler, player pages. In the meantime, you can go to data analysis on player profiler, and you can you can sort by time to throw. For quarterbacks, you can see Tom Brady's in the top five. So is Trevor Lawrence. Because you you watch Trevor Lawrence, he's like, ah! Ah! he's like a hot potato Lawrence, right? Uh, but he's right there with Trevor Lawrence. It's wild. Normally, he's, he's patient back there, right? Time to throw, no big deal. He usually is... is league average or above in time to throw, right? Not all the way down near the bottom where it's just rapid fire. You could you could see Brady back there just kind of surveying, patiently surveying, surveying. So you could see it in your mind's eye, right? You haven't seen that this year. This year it's like one read and go, right? He's not getting through his read progressions. It's he's going to Evans or Godwin. He's not even getting to Gage. If anything, he's just he's quickly dumping it off to Fournette, and that's it. This is why Gage is underperforming, because he doesn't have the time to get through the read progressions to get to Gage. And when he's throwing to Evans, it's anticipatory. And Evans is not as fast and explosive as he was, and he he's, certainly has never been strong at the catch point. I mean, Mike Evans looks like he should be strong at the catch point, but he always has been plagued by drops. He's never a guy that is just going to go up and get it in traffic, and you got to come down with it between two guys. That's not Mike Evans. That never has been Mike Evans. And now he's just outright dropping them. So they're off his fingertips because it's, it's anticipatory and the, and the accuracy just isn't quite there. Because it's, it's you when you lower the time to throw and you make the throws more anticipatory, you increase the margin for error. And, oh, by the way, Tom Brady's 45, which also increases the margin for error. Makes it more error-prone. The problem with Tom Brady is whatever he has added to his regimen, his nutrition regimen, nutrition regimen, and his uh, workout regimen, you're just eating seeds, right? And that's all he eats, seeds and nuts. He is nuts. He's nuts. He's nuts. I mean, he's nuts. To come back like he did and get divorced, he's nuts, right? We have a poll up. We have a poll up on the show on TikTok. We have a live show going on on TikTok Uh, behind the scenes. We have TikTok behind the scenes. And there's a poll up, uh, better choice for Tom Brady, the NFL or Giselle. And I think it's, uh, it's looking pretty clear he made the wrong choice. He's getting divorced from Giselle, and he's losing his family for this. For this? For this, Tom? You're insane. For th- we saw this. We saw this team deteriorating. You knew you couldn't bring back all the members of the band. I thought that it would be more a defensive deterioration, but losing key guards on the interior and in free agency and then the injuries, it's been the offensive line. And the offensive line is always the fragile component that can swing the outcome of a season. It happened to him in New England. There were years in New England where they suffered catastrophic injuries to Nate Soldier and others, and that prevented them from competing at the highest level in the playoffs and losing to the Colts and losing to the, the Ravens you were there, you remember, unless you're on TikTok, you don't remember, <laughs> the TikTokers don't remember this at all, but I was there, I remember, and so the fragility of, of all, of all these pieces coming together to win a Super Bowl, I can't, I still can't believe he did this, this is a crazy choice, and he's tricked all of us into thinking that, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers is still in his prime, Aaron Rodgers is only 40, that's not a big deal, I'm a man, I'm 40, right, it's, fine. He's, he's, he's in his prime. Look at him. He's yelling. Right? Or in, in case of Aaron Rodgers, he he's no longer yelling. Right? So, he's not... He's the... It's the reverse Mike Gundy. Where you turn 40, you start yelling? No. Aaron Rodgers turns 40 and he starts whispering. Right? No, it's it's all cool, guys. Yeah, no, it's... uh, I feel like I'm one with my body and my soul. And that's what matters. Winning and losing is secondary. It's all about the energy of the universe. And having... the the right perspective on competition and the world and wanting goodness for everybody. Maybe you win some ball games, maybe you don't, but that's not what matters. What matters is you put your best energy out there in the universe, and if you end up winning the Lombardi Trophy with that energy, that's great. If you don't win with that energy, that's okay too because you're not putting toxins into the environment. You're not putting negative vibes out there in the world you're not putting pharmaceuticals into your body it's all natural you're gonna just you're gonna sink into the earth and be one with the roots <laughs> and the centipedes and the earthworms they're my people <laughs> yes yes aaron you're buried you're buried you're, d- you're dust you do. we start as dust molecules in the womb and in the vagina and in the, in the testicles of your father. And then uh, eventually you turn back to dust in the earth. Yes, Aaron. Yes, well said. Well said, Aaron. Yes. You look like a piece of dust at this point. You are headed back into the earth very soon. Very soon. Start digging, man. That's where you're headed. It looks like you're already digging. You're already trying to get underneath the surface of the earth, Aaron. You're certainly not rising up at any point in these football games. I can tell you that, buddy. But I, I drafted him. I drafted Aaron Rodgers in a league, one league. He he fell into oblivion, like to the fifteenth round in the FFWC. I was like, I guess I'll take Rodgers. Remember that show, the Dominator show, I was the live draft? I was like, I guess I'll take Rodgers. This is wild. I would never take this guy. You do not draft Aaron Rodgers. That was our do not draft quarterback of the offseason I did end up getting I just I have to say if you're in this many leagues eventually you'll end up with this particular player on your team I do have him on this i full transparency I have him on one team but it, it, it pains me and in retrospect I should have drafted anyone but him should have, should have drafted any anybody really I mean this is he's gone he's 40 it used to be that it was like, oh, Steve DeBerg played into his 40s. That was rare and wild and crazy, and that'll just be one of the, you know, rare events. How long did Brett Favre play? Did Brett Favre play to, like, 39? The, the moment Brett Favre hit 40, he was like, Ugh. And then later he decided to become a, a uh, would you call it a robber philanthropist? Or uh, what, what would be the right word for this? A uh, oh, scumbag. Right. Yeah. Scumbag. Scumbag fake philanthropist. That's it. That's that's the that's the right word. That's how I would describe Brett Favre. But when he was a football player, yeah, Brett Favre played way longer than he should. uh, Thanks to painkillers. But but he could not make that push into his 40s. Only Tom Brady's been able to do this. And yeah, we look up at Aaron Rodgers like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to sign a two year deal. Oh, that's money well spent by Green (laughs) Bay. They were tricked by Tom Brady. Tom Brady changed the paradigm on quarterback aging, and it was just a big trick. It was, it was a big lie, right? It was a to- to- total lie. And now Tom Brady is running up against Father Time. So Father Time's like, hey, Tom, uh, we got to have a talk here, buddy. Uh, you're going to have to start anticipating a lot more of these throws, and uh, you don't, you're not going to have it like you did. And Tom's like, don't worry. I got this, buddy. Forever. Forever young. Now we look up, and uh, the Buccaneers have scored a touchdown on only 13% of their drives. That's third worst, right? Third worst. Uh, The worst team in the league, no surprise, the Broncos. The Broncos, right? Russ not cooking at all. Russ can't make a fire, right? If Russ, I think that's the thing. If Russ is, he's he's in that show alone, but he lost his flint. Like there was this I remember watching this sh- this episode of Alone where a guy dropped his flint stick, the thing that sparks the fire. He dropped it on the beach, but all the stones and all the rocks were the same color as the, and it was amazing. He was on his hands and knees. This was this is riveting television. He was on his hands and knees for it had to be 7 hours. Because you saw the sun going down all day you saw the sun going down and he's on his hands and knees he's on his hands and knees looking for among like in a sea of other flintstones would it look like a flintstone flintstones right good vitamins terrible vitamins by the way terrible vitamins it's a better cartoon than a vitamin according to aaron Rodgers. so he's on his hands and knees and it's getting dark and you had you had this satellite phone where you can tap out and call and say hey uh yeah, you call. You know, no, it's right here. I got it. I got it right here. You have the satellite phone, you're calling, you're like, hey, God, uh, you know. <laughs> funny thing happened, uh, uh, alone producers. I lost my flint stick. It, it, I literally, it dropped out of my pocket because I'm an idiot. And it's like the one thing you can't drop on the ground in Vancouver or wherever he was, it wasn't Vancouver. He would have found it. It would have been on the pavement, right? It would have been on the concrete, pick it up. It was in, uh, I think uh, Victoria Island, maybe somewhere like that. And he calls and is like, I'm out. I'm, I can't do it. I can't. I'm not even going to try. He's like, I'm not even going to try to to start a fire manually without one of these flint sticks. And he just, he just after he was done on his hands and knees along the beach, just called out, just tapped out. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's not bushcraft, brah. Like, you got to at least try to, to you know, to, to create one of those. You know, bow, uh, bow drills, right? And, and try to create some some heat with a bow drill, and uh, and you put some you you know you, you you put the the leaves in there, and you try to get a spark going and get a fire going. You're just gonna give up. You're just gonna lose your flint stick and just get just. Bye bye. We're done. Right? We're done. And uh, so that's like Russ. He goes to the show alone with no flint, no ability to make a fire. So he, he, he went to Denver without any ability to make a fire. And he shows up and he's like, hey, guys, I got, uh, I got some fish. You know, I got some, I, I got some squirrel, right? But uh, hey, funny thing, uh, Denver, <laughs> I, know, I know you gave up that pick, which is going to end up being an incredible pick, by the way. We should pull that up. Oh, we should pull up with the pick that. Oh, this is funny. The draft order, the draft order. It's right here, right here on the on the screen on YouTube. The draft order as of uh, now, right before Monday Night Football. Yes, Detroit is officially in line to get the 101. Let's stay right here. Lock this in, please. Lock this in. Houston and then Carolina. So you have the three teams that need quarterback. Las Vegas was up in the top five. They didn't need a quarterback. Now you have the the three teams that desperately need quarterback. And then it would be four teams that need quarterback, too, because New Orleans should have the fourth pick. They gave it up! So the Eagles have the fourth pick as of right. If the season were to end today, Eagles would have the fourth pick. My God. My God. And Denver is giving up what would be the sixth overall pick to the Seahawks. I mean, just... Shameful. Shameful. You had him. You you, you had the pick, and now you you have Russell Wilson. It's looking like a really bad trade, unfortunately. I I just can't believe I'm saying that, but it's looking like a really bad trade. I know Russell Wilson's hurt. He has a torn hamstring. He's not going to be the same all year, so he's not going to be able to plant and push off and get the ball downfield. This is going to be bad for Cortland Sutton. It's already been bad for Cortland Sutton. Anyone see Cortland Sutton this Sunday? Yeah, well... Jerry Judy's gonna have these weeks too so if you could sell high on Jerry Judy do it do it do it You sell high off this game like hey Jerry Judy you know he's the number one now maybe that's what I'm talking about come on pop the trunk seriously do it do it do it listen jackass either give me a ticket or get the hell off the stage you take that whoa 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 whoa, whoa. guys pop the trunk candy man and the new Tom Savage corollary, the number one's going to get fed no matter what. Mark Rippon doesn't matter. And then Russ is going to come back soon. It's just a hamstring injury, no big deal. And then he's going to be old Russ when he gets back. Yeah, 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 yeah. you got to trade Judy right now. Like, remember when I was begging you that had Clyde Edwards-Solaire get out, and then he comes back with two more touchdowns, and I'm like, get out. Like You told me to get out. He scored two touchdowns. Get out. Right? What about this week? Oh, he's not even starting anymore, but he got the touchdown. Get out. Like it's like a the drum beat to get out of Clyde Edwards Lair. Get out of Jerry Judy. God. Oh it's interesting. The draft order, interesting. Watch it play out. Houston, Detroit, Carolina. There's two premium quarterbacks that everybody wants. How's that gonna go? I mean, woo fast. I just I want it to be Detroit because I'm, I'm a raging Detroit Lions fan. <laughs> Hard knocks, is what it'll do. <laughs> so, yes, the, the Green Bay Packers also uh, facing a lost season. Yeah, they are. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they have injuries on the offensive line. Their defense has taken a step back. These were all the reasons that we said you should fade. The Packers take the under on their... Uh, Regular season win total and bet on the Vikings to win the division. You're welcome. Looking at the NFC standings, Green Bay is three and four. They have a negative 18 point differential, and uh, it's going to be very difficult to win the division with Minnesota at five and one. Minnesota has got a plus 21 point differential, so now they have to make a, they have to get in via the wild card. And Dallas is 5-2. and two. They're not better than Dallas. The Giants are 6-1. and one. They may or may not be better than the Giants, but the Giants have a huge lead in terms of the record. Someone's going to have to win the South. Probably going to be Tom Brady, just because they're going to win with a negative point differential. You've got San Francisco and the Rams sitting around 500. It's going to be difficult. It's possible. It's not, it's not impossible. It's very possible. God, the NFC is so bad. I guess it's pretty possible. I was, man, I, I, I was just, I was looking for confirmation bias to say, oh yeah, Packers are done. Not really. Not really. They, they're in the same division with Detroit and Chicago. I guess they're not done at all. They're, not, they're the, Carolina is, is so bad. New Orleans is truly awful. Oh, Arizona is going to be uh, moving on from Cliff Kingsbury soon. He's polishing his resume. So plenty of time. Actually, plenty of time for Green Bay. I take it back. I, th- I think there is a, a huge warning flare that has been shot off into the sky and that this team is not what we thought they were and they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. But the idea they're going to miss the playoffs, well, slow down. That, that's not, not quite not – quite. I mean, if you feed Aaron Jones, you're going to improve your chances of making the playoffs. If you feed A.J. Dillon, you lose – Your chances of uh, making the playoffs. Looking at expected points added per rush, per rush attempts, not touch, okay, per rush. I mean, of running backs who qualify, right, of the 50-plus backs who qualify for this metric. Aaron Jones has a positive EPA. That's a rare thing, right? I mean, it's rare to have an EPA that is above .1, we'll say. It's not rare to have a positive EPA, especially now that the EPAs have swung. There's more running backs with positive EPAs because, in general, running plays are netting a better EPA this year than previous years based on the fact that so many defenses are playing this loose shell coverage. Cover three, corners, cover four. A.J. Dillon, though, is not getting the benefit of this coverage of less... Men in the box, doesn't matter for A.J. Dillon, negative .17 EPA. So Aaron Jones, positive, number two among NFL running backs, A.J. Dillon, close to league bottom. So takeaway there is uh, feed your best players, your most explosive players, and your most versatile players. Now, I do believe that A.J. Dillon is explosive, but he's not as versatile as Aaron Jones. And it telegraphs to the defense when he's on the field, they're probably going to run. And ironically, I played A.J. Dillon in fantasy football, in the sleeper bowl, and I beat him by a point. And can anyone guess which wide receiver he played, which was the singular reason I won the matchup? I won this matchup for one reason and one reason only against A.J. Dillon. And the great thing is Dave Kluge drafted A.J. Dillon, the bust that is A.J. Dillon. So Dave Kluge took one for the league. Drafting A.J. Dillon so A.J. Dillon couldn't draft A.J. Dillon because Tyler Algier is also in the league and Tyler Algier drafted Tyler Algier. But A.J. Dillon does not have A.J. Dillon. But A.J. Dillon did draft other Packers. So he did draft Aaron Rodgers. Eek! And he also drafted Romeo Dobbs. And everyone was like, oh, A.J. Dillon drafted Romeo Dobbs. He must know something. Right? Must. Romeo Dobbs had zero fantasy points this week, just for the record. Just so Cody can... You're going to hear it. On Undercovered Ops, you're going to hear it on some show this this week on the channel. You're going to hear Cody celebrating the zero, the I told you so zero from Romeo Dobbs. He's no Alan Lazard. Let's just say that. Is that just fair to say? Can we just say that? He's, he's no Randall Cobb either, I guess. So A.J. Dillon played Romeo Dobbs, started him. So that happened. And that's that's why I won, really. That's why I won. He didn't have Juju. Should have had Juju. Should have drafted Juju. Big debate. Juju versus Amari Cooper. Oh, man. The thing is, Amari Cooper is going to get Deshaun Watson back, but not getting the target volume. So Amari Cooper, only four targets, and you can only do so much. He did the most he could. 74 yards on four targets. Yay! This is the problem with the Jacoby Brissett offense, but every week that goes by is another week closer to Deshaun Watson's season in Cleveland. On the other hand, Juju Smith-Schuster has, uh, let's see, Patrick Mahomes. So I think we have to officially change our position on this. Well, it wasn't our position. It was Theo Greminger. I asked him the question, and he came back, and he said, it's got to be Amari Cooper, and I agreed with him. I nodded. I didn't, I didn't push back. I think if we had that conversation again, Theo would probably say it's Juju, and then uh, as usual, I won't, wouldn't push back. I wouldn't push back on a guest. Would I ever do that? Would I ever? No. No, I would never. Juju, 24 fantasy points. That's what he's averaging the last two weeks. And I know you're saying, well, that's an arbitrary cutoff. You told us to beware of the arbitrary cutoff of of a creative game log splicing, right? The creative game log splicing that you hate so much, Podfather. Well, I will say that in this last two weeks, we are giving Juju time if we throw out the first five weeks because we're giving Juju time to get acclimated and we're also understanding that there's going to be touchdown variants and that he's getting targets, just not getting the touchdowns, and that will revert back to the mean. So if you give him five weeks to revert back to the mean and get acclimated, because he's also spent a lot of time away from football, went to IR quickly last year and has had lost seasons due to injury in years prior, hasn't had to play a lot of football, hasn't had the opportunity to play a lot of football. So now he is, and he's getting acclimated, and they're trusting him more and more. He's very much the Travis Etienne of wide receivers in that way. So the Chiefs play the Bills, and they play the 49ers, two of the most stifling defenses in the league. So if you just want to look at the last two games when he's fully acclimated against the toughest defenses in the league, that's a big deal. That stat matters. The last two weeks, average fantasy points of 24 for Juju. I think there's some relevance there beyond just arbitrary cutoffs. I said before the season, there's going to be someone who's this year's Cooper Cup. It's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. You want a slot receiver on a prolific offense who makes a huge leap looking like Juju now. Now, what about Pacheco? So I went live, and I was celebrating Pacheco. I said, you know, the, the cutoff is really, okay, you got Stevenson and ETN are breaking out with juice. You can't really play Pacheco over those guys, but the cutoff really is those guys and then down to McCaffrey, right? I would start Pacheco over McCaffrey, just because I don't know how many touches McCaffrey's going to get. And Pacheco could take it 70 yards at any given touch, and you could get a lot of red zone touches. The problem is, the Chiefs throw a lot in the red zone. They throw a lot in general. So that really is going to be the problem with Pacheco this year, is that they just don't run the ball. There's a, a point of balance between how much you run and nuke your own offense... And how little you run and prevent your running back from getting the touches he needs. Right, so you want an offense that is balanced, that is running the ball a little bit more than they should. If you have their running back in fantasy football, you would like the Browns to run the ball a little bit more than league average or a little bit more than the EPA expectations suggest they should. If you have Nick Chubb, you should want that for them to pass enough. To sustain drives, but make sure Nick Chubb is fed. The problem with you have Pacheco is they're throwing so much. They're so efficient in their play calling that there really isn't a lot of room for Pacheco to get more than 10 touches. If a running back can't get 10 touches, he's not startable in fantasy football. That is the cutoff, right? That is the friction point right there. You got to get 10 touches. He's not getting 10 touches. Eek! Right? Bad. Bad. I was thinking... Before the game, which is why I said you start Pacheco over McCaffrey, that he's going to get at least 10 touches because they went out of their way to name him as the starter. And then had he got the touchdown, he would have outscored McCaffrey. I mean, it wasn't like McCaffrey went nuclear, so you weren't hurt by it. But process-wise, I think it was wise because that, that touchdown should have been his. Just like Kareem Hunt's touchdown should have been Chubb's, right? I mean, Edward Solaire's touchdown should have been Pacheco's. That would have changed everything. So now you can still, there's still a buy low window on Pacheco. You can still go trade for him, right? I remember I said, go get Jeff Wilson after week two. They're like, oh, he's already been picked up. I know that. I know that, but you can still trade for him. You can buy high and it, it still won't be that much because he's Jeff Wilson. Guy just got him off the waiver wire. It's not going to ask for that much. Same principle applies to Pacheco, but will he get the 10 touches? I'm holding and acquiring him just in case they decide to fully phase out Clyde edwards helaire They clearly want to. They haven't yet. And I will say that it's possible that Pacheco eventually gets involved in the passing game. As of right now, we can't project it, right? But as a junior at Rutgers, he had 20 catches in nine games. He had more than two receptions per game. And that's a, that's a significant marker in the sand. He had an 8.2 target share out of the backfield. That's good news, right? He is a competent pass catcher. I think the targets are coming for Pacheco. That will help a lot because you could also break a long run with a screenplay. Keep the faith in Pacheco. See if he's available. Don't overpay. I wish I had better news on Pacheco, but the the, the run rate is just so low. And you look at the game, right? You look at the game. They were up fourteen thirteen at the half, and then they go up big in the third quarter. You would have thought you'd have seen more Pacheco in the fourth quarter, but they just keep throwing. See, that's 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 the it's those touches where you, if you have the running back in fantasy, you'd like them to call some run plays. Please be inefficient with your play calling, God damn it! They're not too damn efficient with their play calling. Now I saw that the Taylor Heineke. Right, won the game, beat Aaron Rodgers. We talked about Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's it's uh, a real uh, problem if you're losing to Washington. That it there that's a more than just a warning flare, right? However, go watch the game. I think you'll find that they should have won that game because Taylor Heineke had at least four interceptable passes. Washington was very lucky. Very lucky. And just be careful waving the flag for Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry's back! Five catches and a touchdown. He's back, man! Same number of targets as Curtis Samuel. Jahan Dotson wasn't there. He's going to be back next week. And Heineke only, threw one interception, coulda, shoulda been four. Like, oh, Heineke looked good against the Packers. No, he didn't. He didn't look good. He actually didn't look good at all. So just be careful. Be careful getting out. Listen, if you want to trade... Terry McLaurin now, now would be the time. Now would be the time. You want to sell low on McLaurin? Now he, he's he's above a low point. He, he's, this is post-trough. You want to sell post-trough, this is the time on McLaurin. Because it's it's going to get worse before it gets better. How many takeaways do I have? I gotta, can we go to rapid-fire takeaways? Crazy. We're talking about Kenyon Drake. Even before Gus Edwards was activated, that you can't play Kenyon Drake. Under no circumstances because he's not good the starting point is this player good at football Kenyon drake did get 11 carries he did nothing but he did get 11 carries right edwards had only five more carries and he smashed like 60 plus yards and two touchdowns Kenyon drake got the 10 plus touches that you that you at least want as a bare minimum and did absolutely less than the bare minimum because he's not good and so i remember having this conversation hey is Kenyon drake a free square in dfs absolutely not with or without Edwards, do not play him. And no, you can't tell me those were those would have been Drake's touchdowns had Edwards been inactive. No, no. Gus Edwards is actually a quality runner between the tackles. He's, this is something he's good at. Kenyon Drake is not. Rashad Bateman's also very good at being a wide receiver. He had a 30% target share. But if you're not going to throw the ball, then a guy getting a 30% target share isn't going to matter. This is why you got to be careful with Mark Andrews. And, oh, Mark Andrews wasn't healthy. Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman were always going to be volatile players this year because Lamar Jackson has games where he doesn't throw. 16 pass attempts is always a possibility with Lamar Jackson. And in those games, it's either going to be Andrews or Bateman. And in this case, neither one of them got there. Bateman was efficient, though, for 5 or 42 yards. Andrews, zero. and you that, That's not solely the fault of poor health, right? It's a reason why Travis Kelsey was a much better pick at tight end than Mark Andrews. His ADP was earlier. Yeah, you had to get him in the early second round as opposed to the late second round. I understand. But that was the reasoning why. If you were going to draft one tight end early and you had to pick one, It had to be, at ADP, at cost, it had to be Kelsey, not Andrews, and and now we're seeing why. This is why. So I think that Andrews has been fortunate in the volume he's received, especially with Bateman out. There was a sell-high moment there on Andrews last week, and now that sell-high window has closed because now you know most fantasy gamers look up and they see what's going on. Like, oh, yeah, these kind of games are out there for Andrews. Be careful. On the flip side, in this game, did you know that Donovan Peoples-Jones, our man, Donovan Pe- DPJ, six for six for seventy-one yards, super efficient, getting downfield with Jacoby Brissett. He's going to be a monster with Deshaun Watson. You got to get this guy. You got to trade for him, stash him, whatever it is. He's gonna go nuclear. He's gonna have hundred-yard games with two touchdowns with Watson. Write it down it's going to be like a Will Fuller-level second half. You remember Will Fuller came back from injury five years ago and blew up the league, right? If anyone's going to do it, it's DPJ. Lean into that volatility, especially in the second half. Oh, baby. It's funny. Khalif Raymond was the leading receiver for the Lions, right? Imagine Khalif Raymond, but big and faster and better in every way. I just remember talking about punt plays like Khalif Raymond. When you have a high-volume offense... And a player goes out on the depth chart ahead of a player that's just behind him, and he's going to enter the starting lineup. That's a player need to be open to playing in DFS. Khalif Raymond was a guy that was a good process play as a punt play wide receiver to make lineups work in DFS. The problem is the Cowboys' defense is just too good, and it's hurting the Cowboys. Right? It's hurting Lamb. It's hurting Dak. And we talked about this on the Roto Grinders Stack Fest show, like. This looks like a game we'd be leaning into in a big way. But we said, no, 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 no. I'll lean into Seahawks Chargers. Oh, yeah. I'll lean into the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Right? Because with the Chiefs, you have all these runback options. Great runback options. We talked about the best runback option was Kittle. And then if you're going to skinny stack that game, Juju Kittle was the skinny I mean, this StackFest show, I mean, I got to pinch myself. I gotta pinch myself. Like I I I think that slowly but surely, like Roto Grinders Nation is realizing, oh wait, he's played a profiler guys know they're shit. We talked about not necessarily aggressively stacking that Dallas Detroit game because it's a bad matchup for Detroit. That that Dallas front seven with the injuries on the offensive line and injuries to the wide receiver core, injuries to the to the running backs, it's not great for Detroit. Detroit may be challenged especially when it's at Dallas challenged to maintain a shootout game environment. And that's what happened. That's why lamb didn't deliver. Gallup gave you nothing, but that's not necessarily the fault of Dak or anything to do with the Cowboys. It's, it was really the fault of, well, it is the fault of the Cowboys. Really? I mean, nothing to do with the fault of the Cowboys offense. It's hundred percent. Their defense is too good. So this is why we love offenses where the defense isn't too good, right? The Chiefs' defense took a step back this offseason. We are like, yay, Mahomes, right? Great for Mahomes. Mahomes has been incredible. He is leading the world in passes beyond 20 yards. He's been on another level, and one of the reasons why is that they know that they can't take it for granted. It's not the same defensive personnel they've had in years past and they need to just always be putting that pedal directly all the way and 100% to the metal. That even creates a scenario where, you know, Mecole Hardman can get there, right? That's why in our optimizer, the DFS lineup genius, you stack with Mahomes, you're going to see all these interesting lineups because it generates, you know, hundreds of lineups. You're going to see Mecole Hardman in there. It's like because those games are out there for Mecole Hardman, and it's not just a long touchdown. It's also the bubble screen or a reverse. Miko Hardman, three touchdowns on four targets, <laughs> right? I mean, and Patrick Mahomes has 32 completions that have gained 20 plus yards. Not 20 plus air yards, but just completions that with air yards and yak yards are, are netting 20 plus yards. That's seven more than the next quarterback on the list. The problem is, you know, the player that you really wanted to play given this prolificness is actually. Marquez Valdez-Scantling at value, right? You don't have to pay up a little bit for Juju. We, we, you're doing that, right? We talked about your skinny stacking Juju and Kittle all day. But if you want value, the play is not actually Hardman. So these are just aberrant touchdowns from Hardman. Don't chase them next week. Go back to MVS, though. What this tells me is Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to be a great play Now and moving forward, a guy you can start in your flex, a guy you can drop in to any DFS lineup, any tournament lineup. doesn't matter if you're playing any other Chiefs or not. He more than tripled the yards, the receiving yards, that Mikko Hardman delivered on the same number of targets. So yes, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the true field stretcher. He's playing the Z in Kansas City, and they have Hardman in that joker role, that joker-wide receiver role, just the whatever play, right? Reverse, bubble screen, all the nifty little plays near the line of scrimmage. That's the Hardman role. That's not the the role you want for fantasy football. You want the MVS role. You want the air yards. Keep playing Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Keep playing Tony Pollard. He doubled Zeke's yards per carry. Again! But Zeke got the touchdowns, right? One of those touchdowns should have been Pollard's. It's a shame. Now, looking forward, thinking about which running backs will turn to dust like Zeke, I mean, I know that Alan Soslaus is going to come back to me and say, well, I know that Zeke has been outplayed by Pollard, as you predicted, Podfather, but uh, Ezekiel Elliott's putting up fantasy points, and that's really all I cared about. I was looking for a solid fantasy points contributor, and that's what Ezekiel Elliott is. So you just need to eat it. And yes, that's true. I don't know how much longer Zeke can do this. I don't know how much longer they can keep the ball away from Pollard, especially inside the 20. Maybe all season. And and that's going to be the case in Tampa as well. Rashad White's not going to break out unless Leonard Fournette goes down. Leonard Fournette's probably not going to go down at this point. Next year, though, White will be the Pollard and Fournette will be the Zeke. So I'm just telling you that now in advance, just so you know. And I won't be drafting Fournette next year. I'm just not going to do it. Now that we know this is not a prolific offense, right? This is an offense that is defunct. Tom Brady may or may not be back. If he is, he's going to be 57. And it's just an offense in decline in general. I'm going to be fading for that next year. And I'm going to be buying white as next year's the 2023 Pollard. Cowboys defense is too good, right? But there is a case where the defense is too bad as well. So if, you're, if, you, if you have Jonathan Taylor, that's the opposite problem, right? So if, if you have Dak or you're trying to pick a run back or you're, you're playing a quarterback that's facing Dallas or a running back that's facing Dallas, it's unfortunate, right? Because th- that defense is just so good. The Colts defense is really bad. And it's interesting how we're going to have the immovable force against the uh, very movable object. Next week, the Colts play Washington next week, right? Taylor Heineke with those four interceptable passes. Well, the Colts are going to get their hands on a couple of those and squeeze it. What's going to happen when when one of the worst defenses goes up against one of the worst offenses, one of the worst quarterbacks? We'll see what happens together. It'll be interesting. It at least is good for Jonathan Taylor because as of now, okay, the Colts have led only 7.5% of their offensive snaps. What? Really? Is that... Yeah, yeah. I think that was Rich Rebar on Twitter. I was like, really? Well, that's the explanation for what's wrong with Jonathan Taylor. You really want to know what's wrong with Jonathan Taylor other than an ankle sprain, which is he's less than 100%. It's the defense. You don't want the defense to be too good. You don't want the defense to be too bad. You want the Goldilocks zone for the defense. Colts, are uh, they're not allowing game scripts to develop that would ever put the ball in the hands of Jonathan Taylor in the face of rational play calling. That is the issue. If he doesn't get right next week, he's not going to get right all year. He should get right next week, though. He should, should, should. There's a raging by-low running back in all formats. His name is Chuba Hubbard. He suffered a low ankle sprain after starting the game and looking great, even in the face of what is you know, a, a an anemic offense, at least the Panthers have an average to above average offensive line. Their protection rate is good. Like they do protect the quarterback, they do open up wide running lanes. That is the one area and that's where they've invested. Ike Iquanu, that's where they've invested picks in the in the draft. So it makes sense. They named Chuba Hubbard as the starter. Chuba Hubbard is the rightful starter. He's the young player they need to get a look at. But then he has the ankle sprain and then Foreman comes in in the second half, the defense has been worn down, he puts up 100 yards. Those should have been Hubbard's yards. One of those touchdowns should have been Pollard's, another touchdown should have been Nick Chubb's, and those Foreman yards, many of them should have been Hubbard yards. So just know that. You look at the box score, you're like, oh, this is a committee. This is a a pukey specialist backfield on one of the worst offenses Chuba Hubbard, pretty much worthless. Yeah, he got the touchdown, but uh, that's not going to happen most weeks. Mm. Chuba Hubbard's explosive. Chuba Hubbard's a better pass catcher out of the backfield. Chuba Hubbard has the faith of the coaching staff. He has the commitment. Being named the starter, if you're Isaiah Pacheco, matters. That's a huge boost of confidence for you and the coaches, showing that faith in you. It's a huge indicator for the future. Same with Chuba Hubbard. Oh, yeah oh yeah, I'm buying Hubbard. I want Hubbard and Dynasty in a big way because he's young. And most of these young running backs have washed out. Think about J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers and Clyde (sighs) Edwards-Alaire. Antonio Gibson. It's been a bloodbath for young running backs. And now we have Chuba Hubbard. Embrace it. Lean into it. Go get him. And wasn't D.J. Moore just the most obvious cash game play? Wasn't he? 4,900 on DraftKings. Just based on the law of the conservation of targets. You lose Robbie Anderson and and the law of the conservation of targets plus the Tom Savage corollary, where it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, they're at least gonna feed their number one wide receiver. In fact, even if a backup quarterback comes in who's less efficient, they're more likely to lock in on their number one receiver. So the lost efficiency is offset by an increase in target share, and that's exactly what happened with DJ Moore. You set your watch by that. I remember we, we we ran some some optimizers, some lineup genius lineups, and showed them on the roto show. And there was DJ Moore. And we were like, oh, gross, DJ Moore. And we're like, wait a second. What are you talking about? He has yards after the catchability. He's going to get big targets. It's not like the Buccaneers secondary is scary. They're not. Carlton Davis may or may not play. They're going to have to throw. We didn't even know that the the, the Panthers would be up. We assumed the Panthers would be down. And it'd be in comeback mode. There was a great case to be made for playing DJ Moore in both GPPs and in cash. Especially in cash at that salary level. And then we we look at the Falcons, man. I mean the Falcons. What? What are you doing? I mean honestly. Their pass rate. Just a total and utter embarrassment. This NFC South. (laughs) It's just you have a Falcons team that's actively trying to lose by not throwing in obvious passing situations, and it's not like oh we're trying to we're trying to zig while the when they think we're going to zag. No, no, they're 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 going run run pass. It's like run and then another run play. You have the Saints tanking even though they don't even have their first round pick. You have the Panthers starting Jacob Eason and or P.J. Walker in an active fire sale. This is an active fire. I mean, one of the more active fire sales we've seen in the NFL. And then you have Tom Brady losing to the Panthers. And no one in this whole division has a winning record. I don't think I've ever said this term. And this is the first time I've said this term in my entire career in this business. They're a dumpster fire. They're a dumpster fire. I don't say that it's a cliche, but when you think about the burning of garbage in a big metal bin, that's the... NFC South. It used to be the best division for fantasy. It was like two minutes ago. It was the best division in fantasy football. You had McCaffrey, and you had Brady, and you had Ryan and Ridley and Julio Jones, and you had Breeze and Michael Thomas and Kamara. Now you've got Mark Ingram and Caleb Huntley. (laughs) Right? And Jacob Eason. Like, what? It was nice to see Terrace Marshall getting some get some targets. I saw that. Terrace Marshall, I was having a debate with, with Dario, who's going to be more productive. And he thought it, it, could, it would be Chenault getting those close to the line of scrimmage targets. And I said, you know what? I, I just think that so far, the last couple of weeks, they've been ramping up Marshall. Marshall's been the one running the routes. So even though Chenault will be back, I still see Marshall running the routes, Marshall getting the air yards. Marshall's going to have some weeks as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how the truthers react, how the dynasty truthers react to that. It'd be fascinating. And I think at this point, it's pretty safe to say that Josh Jacobs is a sell high, right? Because it's not like the Raiders have had a lot of winning games, a lot of positive game scripts. Jacobs has been running for yards and touchdowns in the face of negative game script. Just like we saw with Jonathan Taylor, eventually... If your team is bad and you're losing week after week after week, it's just not sustainable. This is the great risk. We've talked about this for years, years and years and years. The great risk of drafting running backs early that don't catch passes is if the defense collapses, the offensive line collapses, which are all very possible. Defenses are fragile. Offensive lines are fragile. Then you don't have the wide running lanes you had the year prior. That's what's happening to Jonathan Taylor. And you don't have games that you're winning and your coaches can't milk clock. This is all happening to Jonathan Taylor. And it's all happening to Josh Jacobs as well. And he's still rolling up the yards and the touchdowns in the face of this headwind. But it is Houston, right? Houston is giving up the most big plays in the league even more than Cleveland, even more than Pittsburgh, even more than Washington, even more than Seattle. They're giving up the most big plays in the passing game. And yet, Carr just had a a nice, smooth, and easy 250 yards touchdown, no big deal, touchdown to Mac Hollins. Had Houston pushed the Raiders more in that game, we could have seen Carr blasting past 300 yards, Multiple touchdowns, big week for Adams, it would have been on. It would have been on. I think that the game scenarios that will play out, especially as the Raiders have more divisional games in the weeks ahead, and they, they can't play the Texans every week. It's going to marginalize and crowd out all these Josh Jacobs touches. It's not sustainable. His efficiency is not sustainable, and his opportunity share is not sustainable. His opportunity share, just as a share of the whole offense, is not sustainable given what we know, the fundamentals about the Raiders and the fundamentals about how you need to call plays in order to win games, especially when you're losing. The difference is that unlike Atlanta, in these games where Las Vegas has been feeding Josh Jacobs, it has been a neutral game script. The game has been close. So the Raiders are deciding we're going to feed Jacobs in close games. But there's going to be plenty of games coming up on the schedule where it's they're down 10 where the, the Jacobs is getting stuffed to the line of scrimmage where teams are saying you're going to make us you're going to beat us with car right that's going to happen I think that those weeks are coming and so there's going to be some dud weeks because Jacobs is not involved in the passing game at all right he scored 36 fantasy points on Sunday only four of those points came from the passing game that is not sustainable I know it feels like a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like, yeah, 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 we know. Everybody knows he's a sell high, right? But no one wants to. I think, actually, at this point, unlike Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a couple weeks ago, I think you will find buyers if you have Josh Jacobs. I really do. In fact, I'm going to go put him on the block right now. I think you will find buyers if you have Josh Jacobs. I really do. In fact, I'm going to go put him on the block right now. What's up, TikTok? We're going to go live. You're going to you have the behind-the-scenes view of the top 10 takeaways on TikTok. Top 10 takeaways behind the scenes on TikTok. So now we will start the show show on uh, YouTube. So if you want to see the the official show... Not behind the scenes. You can go to YouTube and check it out. This is the behind the scenes camera. So We have the behind the scenes camera. And then if you want to take a look, that's the uh, this is a little behind the scenes action. So uh, this should be fun. This should be fun. I uh, took some took some questions from the chat uh, live on TikTok about uh, Isaiah Pacheco yesterday. And it reminded me that I used to go live for Top 10 Takeaways. I had just, I just forgotten. I had just forgotten that I had set up a separate uh, sort of go live camera uh, for, uh, for TikTok for the Top 10 Takeaway show and the Waiver Wired show. It's the weirdest thing, man. I just forgot. I just forgot. So now we'll start doing it again. All I need to do is remember to do it. You know, it's just there's a lot to set up. There's a camera there, there's a camera there, there's a computer here, there's all kinds of stuff. So, whatever. It's fun. It's fun to have a behind the scenes uh stream happening when we have while the uh the main stream is happening. So uh I don't see any reason why not. Let's do a fucking show, huh? But when you think about the burning of garbage in a big metal bin, that's the NFC South.